Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, happy new year, everyone, and welcome to a week 17 edition of Rams All Access. DeMarco Farr, JB Long, how you doing, my friend? I am good, man. Uh, looking forward to 2023. 2022 has been fun, though. It has. It's been a lot. Been drama. It's been good. Yeah. It's been a lot. Here we are. We made it. Still have our hair. Most of it. Not gray. Yeah. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Yeah. What's cool about it, though, is I like looking at it as a calendar year rather than a season. I think you're framing it the right way, because if you go calendar year, going back to January, then you get the win of the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. You get the Super Bowl, the parade, the ring ceremony, training camp. You get all of that. And you don't have to quite necessarily dwell on a losing season here in the fall. That's so, a good way to look at yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Sean McVay went from boy genius to can't coach all in about 12 months. And then he's <laughs> slingshotting back around the dark side of the moon again. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Great stuff. I love this time of year. Don't you? You mean the weather-wise? Uh, not necessarily. Or just like the holidays. I almost, for I almost said yes. I mean, the, yeah. the rain is welcome, and but I, I pulled off of that because I know some people have it way worse, and it's been a hard week yeah, on the yeah. weather front. And the travel front, so I don't want to. No, I got you. I, I I love the holiday season from Thanksgiving on. It's it's all about family. I think that's what you mean. Uh, we we are family. No, that's men. not what I mean at that's all. That's not what you no, mean no, at no. all. No, <laughs> no, that's not at all what I mean. What, shopping Black Friday. I just like being able to get in the car and drive anywhere in Los Angeles. Oh, okay, yeah. Like it, it feels like the population drain between Thanksgiving and the New Year, but especially Christmas and the New Year is such that. LA almost becomes a small town. Big time. You can get around quicker. Good point. Absolutely good point. You're right. Fun. But the scary part is there's a lot of guys out there with these supercars that like to drive when no one's out there. So that's true. Yeah. And but, the suburban is kind of like the jam car right now. Yeah I'm, yeah. I'm not saying it's safer than ever, but it is at least clearer than usual. <laughs> no doubt. I also like working when other people aren't working. Like the building right now is empty. It's fun. It feels like we got the run of the place it's like Uh, school's out for summer but we're still here using the facilities sports time good time of year good sports what is your favorite time of year for sports right around kickoff and baseball is reaching its crescendo basketball because i like this time of year this football on tv nonstop. i used to like it a lot more but now that the college football bowl season has lost some of its luster yeah a little bit different. A little okay. bit different. I think I think the NFL playoffs into March Madness, into that's the fun. Masters is still – I mean, I, that's probably more than I'm allotted from like a blocking off the calendar standpoint, but I still like that Ooh, a lot. Do you circle your calendar around the Masters? Maybe I should try that. Maybe no. that's my resolution for 2023. I just think it's a great way to, like, to come off football season, get the best of college basketball, spring – yeah, St. Patrick's Day. I, I like that. Time I'm going to try to get into the Masters. Do you guys like have a party or something? You bring wings. Well, here's the other thing too. Tailgate. You're nachos? making me think about this. It yeah. was so much better when Tiger Woods was in it. I don't love it as much without Tiger being in contention. So, but what do you serve a at a golf party? Era. That's what I know. What you. I got football. 
What do you serve at a golf party? The same thing you serve at a golf event. <laughs> Lots of alcohol. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. He's DeMarco Farr. I'm JB Long. Two weeks to go for your Los Angeles Rams. A home game, in air quotes, against the Chargers. Sunday at SoFi, then a trip to Seattle with the Seahawks reeling. A chance to finish on a high note. But I think the Rams have already done that. Like Regardless of what happens in these final two games, they've made some positive memories. And I don't just mean the win over the Raiders and last week the 50-burger against the Broncos, but those are definitely the high points. I also include that showing against the Seahawks the last time they were here. I think three of the last four weeks, DeMarco, the Rams have played like the team we were were thinking they would be, just with different personnel. Like They've put complete efforts out there, good enough to win efforts, in three of their last four games with uh, Green Bay being the exception. I I think you're exactly right. They have earned these victories. I mean, they, they through hard work. I mean, and having to go through so much adversity, not knowing what your starting group is going to be on the offensive line, or who's going to get hurt this week, or somebody's coming back in and you're trying to acclimate them back to the offense or the defense. There's been some some problems, but they have earned it. I mean, they have played pretty good football up until a certain point, and then games got away at the end. Um, you could say the other team was better in certain situations, but they had some of these games, or they took some of these games into the fourth quarter and just could not win them. So... The belief that they could win was always there. Never let go of that. And as soon as their preparation and their personnel matched that intensity, you started seeing Ws. Baker Mayfield coming off the bench or coming off the plane and uh, giving you reps, winning the game. And then Green Bay was rough, but you were in the fight for a while until you weren't. And then you you get the victory, just the one we're talking about now. Uh, They've earned it. They've worked hard. They've never given up. Sean McVay has never given up, so... Uh, it's the mark of, like we said, we not me, not dead. It's still alive. It was on life support, but guys are still bought into that mantra, and here you are with a chance, like you said, to end the year strong for a team that's so beat up. I'm glad to hear you say that because I was afraid I might be making a little too much of what we saw last week. Like, what if the 51 you put on Denver had much more to do with the Broncos than it did the Rams? Like, there's probably some truth in that. Not that it matters. You can still take away from it a lot of really good things. But I left SoFi on Sunday thinking thoughts like these. That's leadership. That's culture. When you can put 50-plus on a team that's broken, when it looked like you yourselves might be on the verge of breaking, that's the difference between a championship culture and a franchise that is in flux. And we saw that with Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, getting released within 24 hours of that loss so yes championship culture and dynasty means you got to lift the trophy but I think I learned something about the Rams and who they've become over the last five plus seasons in this month of December just like we learned something about them last December when they rallied from a winless November just in a different way you know, it's uh, we do the coaches show with Tom McVay and watching him grow up and learn through all this. I mean, the guy's dynamic. He gets it. He understands it. He knows the game, right? And he understands personalities. Um, so when you think about a game on Christmas Day, both teams come in with four wins. That's a hard week of practice. It really is because you're completely distracted. But which team played better on game day? The Rams did. So... To me, that tells you that he out-prepared Denver. And then after you put 51, they fired the coach and a lot of things happened. Fired three coaches. Um, So a lot of things had to happen. But to keep your team focused, and maybe they had a slight advantage because they were the home team. Denver had to travel through Christmas. That's rough. But to keep your team focused with four wins and it's Christmas Day, 
through all that because the last thing you're really thinking about is ball at this point. You're thinking about families and whatnot. But to keep them focused and to have them play one of their best games on one of your more distracted weeks, exemplary uh, of what we're talking about, that we, not me, and the fact that Sean McVay is – He's a great football coach who's just been through a lot with a, with a tough year. Mm. We can see that in so many ways, whether it's the relationship with Cam Akers, which I want to get into in our next segment, uh, whether it's someone like Bobby Wagner having one of his best career seasons in the midst of things falling apart around him, whether it's someone like Jalen Ramsey, I think rising to the occasion when you could say in some statistical areas he's had one of his roughest seasons – against top flight receivers there, there's so many areas of this team that I think you can comfortably say I'm proud of now if you're a Rams fan five and ten feels way better than it should do you know what I'm saying it does I mean you're not these are not I'm not trying to yeah. say take moral victories I'm not I'm you're saying not getting embarrassed I'm yeah. saying this is a group and this is a franchise and this is a culture that you can identify with proudly even in the depths of their worst season under this leadership group. I 100% agree. I mean, uh, look, um, <laughs> you haven't embarrassed yourself or the city at all. Now, you've lost games. You, you've you lost double digits. We get that. But you haven't been embarrassed, and you haven't looked like a – I can't think of another word for blank show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, I know blank show. You haven't looked horrible. I mean, you've lost games, yes, but you've been in the fight. Uh, so these are the things that your fan base – even though they're disappointed, they can at least take home some pride that you were in the fight, you were there, and now you're starting to win towards the end of the year. So uh, that's why all this stuff matters, even in losing seasons. But to your Jalen Ramsey point, that dude is a fighter pilot, and the guys that are beating him are the elite of the NFL. It ain't Joe Bag of Donuts out there. Um, when, when the enemy starts creeping through your skies, this is the guy you send up to stop them. So every now and then, they're going to tag him. But for the most part, he has been exemplary. And I was thinking about this on the way over. If you lined up every player that's ever played in the National Football League, and then you have Jalen Ramsey or current group of guys just walk amongst those guys, he's getting respect all the way up to the elite players for what he does. Not just being a corner for a guy that's willing to accept the physical, to put his body on the line, to stop that guy from crossing your goal line. Stuff you would never expect corners to do. But when the ball is snapped, he starts at corner, but when the ball is snapped, he becomes a defender. So the guys that have played and the guys that appreciate the game, you understand what this guy is giving you and what he means to a football team. So to watch him play every snap on defense plus special teams – in this era is unbelievable unreal coming off two bad shoulders and a serious surgery shoulders are complicated right you're not supposed to be playing as physical as he has coming off of that process and when your team has been mathematically eliminated from the postseason he doesn't know it he he doesn't and and (laughs) i can't i can't help but say that my respect for him and so many others has grown even more than i thought it could have on the stage at the Super Bowl parade, if that makes sense. No doubt. And I, as yeah. we wind down the calendar year, I, I'm i very comfortable saying those things. And, and to your point about leadership and McVeigh, and I think it goes even higher up in the organization, yes, this has been tough to stomach at times, but I don't think there's anything wrong with intelligent, powerful people taking a look in the mirror and figuring out where to go next. Mm. And whether it's been with Todd Gurley or Jared Goff, 
or so many other instances over this really compressed but informative time, this era of of the Rams franchise, I think this leadership group has more than proven their wares with their ability to do that, their willingness to be candid, to correct mistakes sooner rather than later, and to be ahead of the curve with where to go next. And it's too early to get into that, but that's going to be the story of this offseason. Is, is there enough of a spark here from what you've seen in December and into January to try and play it back? Not run it back, but, but to try and yeah keep the nucleus together or is there a different direction that you feel like you have to go that can put you back in contention maybe not sooner but more consistently for that next three to five year window and and, and again that's not where we thought we would be at the end of this super bowl defense but to me it's maybe just as fascinating oh gosh. to be party to oh i can't wait um I, if i was the nfl i'd do a hard knocks in the offseason just to see how they're going to get out of this. And let me say this one more time. Everybody in this room, because there's not that many people in this building, me, you, and Adam, we all have these big, fat Super Bowl rings, right? It was worth it. Are you going to take that out on December the 31st if the ball drops? Absolutely. Should the rings drop? Absolutely. I hadn't thought about that until now, but yeah. There we go. Wear that on Saturday. I'm <laughs> glad you reminded me. He's DeMarco. I'm JB. Uh, we're just getting started on this edition of Rams All Access. Haven't even touched on the Chargers yet. Might postpone that for at least one more segment because coming back, I want to touch on Cam Akers, the running back, and Baker Mayfield, the quarterback, certainly. Um, and how Sean McVay has, I think, helped resuscitate two big names, two high-profile stars. Uh, two players with star power whose light had dimmed mm. mid-year 2022. And what we take away from all of that. This is Rams All Access on 710 ESPN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, if you are fortunate enough to have Cam Akers on your fantasy football team and patient enough to hold on to him, you're probably rewarded with a trip to the uh, finals in your fantasy football competition. Patience, huh? <laughs> His two best performances of the season last week, including a three-touchdown performance in the win over the Denver Broncos with DeMarco Farham, J.B. Long, continuing this edition of Rams All Access. I think there's a lot to be learned from this experience between head coach and offensive staff and star running back uh, who was on the block, I mean, to put it bluntly, midseason of this year. Oh, no doubt. Um, and just watching the post game, going in there, seeing the players after games, it's weird because, I mean, little things matter. You know, where does the media gather after games? And there'd be times when the media was gathered around Daryl Henderson, and there's Cam Akers in the background just kind of, is anybody going to come talk to me today? Well, no, Daryl was the starter. So you could see how that started to – you know, playing, getting to his kitchen a little bit. Completely different guy now. Uh, you get it. He he gets the rock. He's producing. He gets to talk after the games, and this is where he saw himself. He's kind of coming back into that role. So, whatever he went through, whatever hiccup he had with the team or the coach, I think that's that's gone. That's credit to both sides, coaching staff and player, to figure that out, 
get it done and move on and do what's best for the football team. We need you to carry the football. You need to give me the football <laughs> so I can do that. So we need to come together. Uh, what do you call that? Have kind of a truce or whatever. Get on new ground with this thing and let Cam be Cam. And I think that's what you're seeing. Yeah. On Monday, we posed the similar question to Sean McVay in terms of, hey, what are the big picture takeaways? What have you learned from this interaction uh, with the running back that you drafted, who is now clearly, again, atop your depth chart? I think if you can be honest about having, you know, some setbacks, I know the strongest relationships that I have are where you can be, you know, totally honest, whether that be telling people the things they need to hear or you admitting to your faults in terms of how you would handle it differently. And I think once we got a chance to sit down, have an honest conversation with one another, I acknowledge, you know, my part in where I think I could have been better and more helpful in facilitating, you know, the responses that we were looking for in a lot of those instances that that led to, you know, him taking a little bit of a leave but his ability to handle it the right way I think says a lot about the human being and he's a resilient guy he's just come back he's gone to work and you can see the ability it's always been there he's such a talented player um, but you're starting to see a guy that's continuing to mature not only as a football player but as a man and um, and it's being reflected in a really positive way with what he's doing on the football field and um, you know you give him all the credit. Yeah, I, again, we had all hoped for bigger and better things for the Rams and for Cam Akers at the outset of this season. But uh, sometimes what you learn uh, going through hardship together is even more informative, more revealing. I'll tell you what I was reminded of in that win over the Broncos. Yes, his rushing totals were impressive. Yes, he carried it into the end zone three times. But what he can do in space when he is your last option, when he is your check down, turning a play that is on the verge of breaking down into a huge plus He's slippery, he's elusive, uh, he slaloms through defenses in the passing game. Oh, no doubt. Uh, look, if you're a corner coming up, and I know exactly those plays, it was like two plays in a row where it was like 30 yards through the air. Uh, a check down and then a swing out, right? Yep. Uh, if you're that corner or that safety, and you're coming down here, coming downhill on Cam Akers, and you're coming from distance, look, he's got speed. If he makes you miss, he's gone. Uh, if, if you bring it in low, think about Buda Baker. And he drops the shoulder. I mean, that's going to be a collision. It's not going to be an easy takedown for anybody out there. So as long as you have a quarterback that can get him the football on time where he has space to do something with it, then Cam Akers becomes a problem. Now, if the pocket gets muddy and it's a desperation pass and the defense has a jump, then I don't expect any running back to get out of that. But if you get it to him on time, you've got issues. (laughs) I'm thinking about it more this week, too, because of his counterpart, Austin Eckler and how prolific he has been, run and pass for the Chargers. And I kind of thought that would be the model that Cam Akers, getting back to full health, would be able to embody. Uh, And maybe it's still out there for him. We we shall see. But the other piece of that is the week-to-week growth that his quarterback made, getting from one to two to three or four, and getting to that check down. Remember this time last week we were talking about in the loss to Green Bay, Baker wasn't processing quickly enough. And it was because, you know, who is the check down where is he aligned in our pre and post snap arrangements i'm still new here uh it feel like he took it felt like he took a quantum leap forward in that regard against the broncos which is important because off the fangio tree obviously the broncos play it the rams have 
molded it into its next iteration and now you play Brandon Staley in his defense and we know you're going to have to do a lot of this a lot of similar things to have success on Sunday yeah it's 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 Baker too uh and it's also receivers uh you have to understand where Baker's going to be and how he runs certain things I mean you're probably used to a certain group of guys and then here's a new quarterback you have to work in so when you have those bootlegs or those play action passes well this is where he's going to set up this is where he can see and this is probably where he wants to go with the football so you may have to adjust a little bit more. And I think you're seeing some adjustment out of quarterback and receivers. Um, the Austin Eckler thing I got a problem with. Even the Chargers have him listed as receiving back. I think Cam Akers is a running back who can catch. Austin Eckler is a receiver who can sometimes run the ball when he has to. You know what I mean? So I, I can't wait to see that. But pound for pound, you know he's one of the strongest guys in the league. Like, you've seen him in the weight room. You've seen him oh, with yeah. the verticals. Like it, He's 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 a little guy though, but I mean he could make you pay. But you know who you know who he is. Who? I mean whose company he is, LT, and Marshall Falk. Like see, you see some Marshall Falk in him. You led me. Okay, I saw the 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 release from the Chargers, and he's listed on there with Marshall, Darren Sproles, Larry Centers as the best receiving running backs ever. And I'm like, can I really put him in that category? Would I take him over Sproles? Would I take him over Larry Centers? I'm not sure, but it's not to say the guy's not dynamic. But he'll, he'll always have to yeah. overcome his lack of draft status. Yeah, and until he has some notable team success, he's good. Yeah, I, look, don't get me wrong. I'm just comparing the two running backs. He's Eckler is more receiver than running back, and I think Cam is more running back that can catch. Right. Does that make fen- make sense? So yeah. here's a chicken and egg question for you to get back to Acres and and Baker and where this offense is. Are they making the offensive line look better by marrying the run and the pass and playing a brand that is tougher to puncture? Or has the offensive line grown to such an extent that suddenly pass protection looks nearly flawless and you're getting run removal and you're not taking many zeros and and hardly any negatives whatsoever to stay on or ahead of schedule offensively. Well, this is what they used to be before they got Matthew Stafford. I mean, everything was play, based on play action. The great Jackie Slater told me this is a very offensive line friendly offense, which means half the time you're pass protecting, the other half the play action is drawing your yeah. defenders. Help so, the quarterback, help the offensive line. Those are the absolutely. top two priorities in the early Sean McVay Rams offense. But you've got to run it effectively. You've got to make the defense honor the run. So when you're going through an offensive line that's in flux and you keep having to change players, that's going to ruin your running game. But since you've kind of settled on a starting five, or at least starting six, the offensive line have got, has gotten better getting that removal and the, you're running the ball better, which means your play action is open. Uh, you were always going to have a problem with drop back passing without Andrew Whitworth. I don't care who was back there. He was one of the best ever. So if you're running an offense that's based on 11, which they are, you're going to have to run effectively, which they have been. If you can do that and get the safeties and linebackers to draw in, play action will always be there. And I think that's why this offense is starting to look like magic again. Hmm. Yeah, I think the hope was that you could make an incremental gain restoring your running attack without Whitworth and that maybe that could offset or cover some of what you were losing in having a truly elite left tackle in, in pass protection if you're going to play the Stafford uh, drop back game. Yeah, that, that's notable, as is the fact that they're moving the football the way they are. With Brandon Powell being your most accomplished, prolific receiver among those who are currently healthy, I guess. Van Jefferson's got three touchdowns, but in terms of your statistical leader from this season, that's pretty much where you are. Crazy. 
But what stood out, like what was undeniable last week against the Broncos, was how Baker and Sean unlocked the tight end position. And how can you not feel great for Tyler Higby, who is now atop the record book for catches, receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, um, passing to Bone Johnson as the Rams' all-time leader in the record books for receiving tight end. And here's my thought with this, DeMarco. Higby's earned it. I'm glad that we can say Tyler Higby is the greatest tight end in Rams history, and I don't think it's at all disrespectful to Tyler to say the Rams' utmost priority, either this offseason or in the very near future, is finding the next guy who can come over the top of Tyler Higby. Because Mm. if this offense, and really no matter what offense you play, but if you're going to be an 11-personnel-driven team, it's hard to not have an elite tight end. I want to get another look at that Bryson Hopkins kid every time he's on the field good things happen i'm not saying he's the answer i, yeah. I think ultimately whether it's free agency or the, or the draft you're going to have to build for another six to seven years at, at oh, tight end no doubt um and and seeing gerald everett in a chargers uniform this season is a reminder that they they have made efforts but if you're going to let one tight end play 70 to 80 percent or more of your reps it's got to be a dude it's got to be a kelsey a kittle and they have not had that yet see that's why i'm thinking i mean you've got to devote some resources to keeping to making bryson hopkins pan out he's got to be it's got to be a smooth transition from higby to him because that saves you draft capital when you throw him the football demarco things happen and it's, it's not just with the ball in his hands i mean he doesn't have a touchdown yet in the national football league but He's thrown some pretty critical blocks in Rams history, including in the Super Bowl, you know, without got, the football. He got in his own way early. Uh, who knows what would have happened without the suspension. So, And again, this season. Right. But you're saying early in his career or early in this season. Correct. Because both are true. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I, I think he kind of short-circuited himself or, or sold himself short, but now he's got an opportunity. And he's a bigger, stronger, younger version of Tyler Higby. So there's there's nothing in my mind that said that that says he can't be what Higby is right now in this offense. Interesting. I mean, you forget that Tyler was very much a receiving tight end coming out of college, and he just turned into this stick your face in the shredder, do anything and everything type of tight end, an extension of your offensive line in some ways. So uh, I'm glad you highlighted that here at the end of of this segment. A lot more to get to. Let's dig into the Chargers matchup and what the Rams need to do uh, to put together back-to-back victories before they go to Seattle to play the finale against the Seahawks. And we'll take a look around the National Football League, survey the landscape uh, in our final segment. Plus, I had a great chat with Matt Gay, uh, and I know that talking kickers is not the most exciting thing to do. But Gay's been exceptional, and he's coming up on free agency. And uh, some of the things he said were informative, revealing, and it's hard to argue that he's become one of the best kickers in the National Football League with three makes from beyond 50 yards uh, in a seven-day span. All right, with DeMarco, I'm JB. This is Rams All Access on 710 ESPN. Uh, feels like a high school reunion at SoFi Stadium in some ways this weekend. You're going to be walking the field and uh, seeing Brandon Staley and Sebastian Joseph Day and Morgan Fox and Gerald Everett and even Dicker the Kicker, Cameron yeah. Dicker uh, <laughs> no from training camp has found a nice home with the Chargers. Has had a great rookie season for them. So a lot of familiar faces as the Rams and the Chargers get together. Uh, the Chargers just clinched a playoff spot Monday night in Indianapolis, so they're going to the postseason for the first time. Uh, with Herbert at quarterback. Uh, The Rams trying to string together consecutive wins for the first time in a long time. You know, I can't wait to meet Brandon Staley. I've never actually 
met him. Oh, because he was the DC in the pandemic year. Right. We so were he, off the field. Yeah. So I had to appreciate him from afar. So huh, yeah, th- this will be first. But I can't wait to see Seabass again. That's my guy. Uh, Morgan Fox, uh, one of my favorite dudes who's playing well. Oh, my God. He can wreck your Sunday. Sleep on him if you must, but he can wreck your I feel Sunday. like the Rams and Michael Hoyt have found the next Morgan Fox. Yes, kind of the same thing. A guy that can play up and down the line of scrimmage. Uh, there's not a no uh, in any response. Can you play nose tackle? Absolutely. Outside linebacker, sure. Same with Hoyt. So, But uh, really, Morgan Fox has found a home, and uh, he's, he's an obvious pass-rushing killer. You know what I mean? He, he can get to you in a, in a blink, so that actually helps with – uh, with with Mac on the outside, so this will be an issue for the Rams come Sunday. How much of Mac have you watched? A lot. Yeah, it it doesn't seem like he's the elite edge rusher that he once was, and maybe that the Chargers were hoping that he could be. But if you get him to the postseason, let's wait and see. Um, and he's still plenty uh, capable of wreaking havoc against the tackles of the Los Angeles Rams. Oh yeah, no doubt. Now remember, he was supposed to be paired with Bosa, right? Who's out? So I mean, Mac is still an issue, but. Problem is, he's front side. You can see him coming. You know what I mean? So it's easier to get away. But if you had Bosa, ooh, problems. Van Noy's been that guy now. Van Noy has given the Rams some issues over the years, too. Yeah, yeah. This is this is going to be fun if they get into obvious passing downs. I'm looking forward to uh, Herbert and the passing game, the receiving core, Eckler, who we've talked about, up against this Rams defense. Um, and I want to talk about Kobe Durant and the way he's burst onto the scene in just a second. But uh, let's start with Wagner against Herbert and against Eckler and what that matchup means to have that chess master in the middle of your defense as you prepare to face really I don't an offense that doesn't have any weaknesses as far as I'm concerned I'm sure Chargers fans might argue that but from what I've seen they can threaten you in every way player wise absolutely they always blame coaching that's where Chargers fans yeah, and offensive they coordinator Staley. I get it uh, no Lombardi and- but I'm with you uh playing Herbert is a balanced breakfast uh, the guy can get through all his reads. He can make every single throw. If you get pressure on him, he can make you pay with his legs. He's not going to turtle like Russell Wilson no. does against the Rams. That's, no. That, to me, is going to be the biggest difference this week, is you got a dude at quarterback yeah. who will take broken ribs before he gives you a lollipop over the middle. I, whatever planet that Josh Allen is from, Herbert is from. He's a guy that's always attacking your goal line. He is super competitive, um, and there's... There's more in front than behind, so he's still got that youthful exuberance. Um, so, not only good enough to win your rep one-on-one if you're Bobby Wagner coming through if they rush five. It's not good enough to just beat the guy. Now you have to get him on the ground before he lets go of the football. Yeah. Will you remind me in our last segment to ask about Russell Wilson, whether or not you believe he's fixable? I, I don't want to do that here, but I do want to get your thought on that given kind of the wake that the Rams have left. Uh, in what was supposed to be a Hall of Fame resume uh, of Russell Wilson and where the Broncos have gone since we've seen them on Sunday. How about the uh, matchup between head coaches? Offensive play calling head coach Sean McVay against uh, the one-year prodigy that he helped bubble up to the head coaching ranks in Brandon Staley, who runs the defense for the Chargers. Uh, Interesting. I still think advantage goes to McVay. Um not personnel-wise. Not personnel-wise, but just schematically. Uh, he can always present more questions than you have answers for. We'll see if Derwin James can go, but I mean, the Chargers have more dudes on defense than they the Rams do. have on offense. They have some guys that can make plays, um, but there are some things in certain formations and certain motions where you can keep guys at home or at least get the defense to tell their hand, and then away we go. Now, 
You don't have the elite. You don't have the Matthew Stafford arm that can throw it from one corner of the end zone to the other and Cooper Cup that can get open versus just about anybody. So right. scheme will matter more than than players. But from an X's and O's standpoint, I think there's more to McVay's playbook than in Staley's. Now, what, what they're going to run, they're going to be letter perfect and everyone's going to know everything. But at some point, if the run game gets going, every defense... Will 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 show its cracks versus this offense. I, I like how philosophically they're very intentionally similar in terms of Rams want to make you see run when they're throwing and make you think pass when they're running. And Brandon Staley's kind of defensive shells, as we saw up close, uh, have a lot of post snap rotation to them and deception to them. Now I don't want to overplay this because what coordinator in the National Football League offense or defense doesn't try and do the same thing. But I do think characteristically these are two of the best by way of their reputation at making things at the snap and post-snap look and feel different, be it on offense or defense. Yeah, uh, what do you, uh, they, they call it the at first glance. Uh, defensively, at first glance it looks like two, and at the snap it became three, and you didn't know it. So they do a lot of trapping, but they also do a lot of depending on their front to get there. So that's the game. Can you get the ball out to the empty spot or the dead spot in the zone? You're going to find it before that rush gets to you. In terms of the uh, week that was in preparation, the Chargers playing Monday Night Football in Indianapolis had a taste of what the Rams had to do the prior week, getting home late from the Midwest after playing Monday night. Um, And so I love that Sean McVay delivered a see you Wednesday because (laughs) you kind of helped make up some ground from the Christmas holiday. But I didn't even realize in terms of the starting line for your next opponent you had a few hours to give right in terms of the chargers are not getting a head start in fact even by showing up at the facility wednesday to begin your chargers prep you're still ahead of brandon staley coming back from indianapolis where they they clinched a playoff spot and i I, just like with the broncos Hmm. what group are you getting this week Are, are the chargers a group that has exhaled a little bit knowing that their playoff ticket is punched and how hard that's been for them in recent years or are they a group that's building momentum towards playing their best football come week 19? Okay, this matters because it's it's in it's on the marquee, the battle for LA, right? It's there. So it matters. Is it, is it really it, though? It does matter. You're in the same building. It doesn't I'm just saying, I'm guessing from a Chargers perspective. Now I'll give you Herbert or I'll give you my guys for the first half. And I, then we're gonna get smart. But I just don't really sense that. Really? compared to playing the Seahawks the next week compared to having the Niners come in so many times in the last few years from the Rams perspective I mean uh, everything matters from them with the playoffs wrapped up I would give you a half I'm just saying in terms of the um the bad blood the ill will the rivalry I I just it's it doesn't even register oh it doesn't have to be bad blood but you don't want to lose no you don't want to lose any game but yeah, but I, I, I would give you a half. I would. I would say go out there and play your best game for two quarters. If we get ahead, great. And, I'm just. I'm not yeah. sure what I would put on the marquee to Marco, but yeah. battle for LA is not it. Well, you're in the same stadium. It does matter. Clippers Lakers is always big, no matter who's up or down. You know what I mean? Yeah. But is it as big as Celtics Lakers? No. Or God, Warriors no. Lakers? So. No. 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 It's just. It's. It's. It's different. It's your building. Whose building is it? It's uh, Stan Kroenke's building. <laughs> Who does Kroenke, what team does he own? Exactly. So that's what I, that's the battle right there. You don't want to lose that one. All right, let's look big picture next. Uh, final segment of Rams All Access. Is it a race to the bottom for the Arizona Cardinals? That's one question I have for DeMarco. 
And are the Seahawks going to be able to hold up at home against the Jets? Because if not, wow, what are the Rams going to be walking into next week against Pete Carroll and company after they were the midseason darlings of the National Football League? And I do want to get your thoughts on on Russell Wilson and what do the Broncos do next? It's not really the Rams' concern, but because the Rams have played such a leading role in tearing down his resume – I just want to have you react to what you saw in person against Russell Wilson again. So that's all still to come as we wrap up this week 17 edition of Rams All Access here on 710 ESPN. Back with DeMarco Farr, JB Long. Happy New Year, everyone. Thank you for being with us throughout this 2022 season and calendar year. It has been one to remember all the highs, several lows, but we're thankful for all of them and especially for your participation and uh, your loyalty to this program and to the Rams. DeMarco, are you a New Year's resolution guy? Uh, not really. I try, you know. Um, I guess I, I try not to put things down on paper because I don't want to disappoint myself. Mm. But I know what I need to work on and get better at. Is yeah. that fair? You and me both. Yeah. Uh, before I forget, I had a great chat with Matt Gay this week. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was informative and revealing and insightful in lots of different ways. He says that instead of resolutions, he and his wife just kind of have – uh, the thought exercise of what are three words you want to take with you into the new year, which I thought was a good way of doing that. Uh, and one thing he's going to take into the new year is the opportunity to become one of the highest paid kickers maybe in the National Football League. He's he's really earned it. So uh, as you might expect, uh, Gay not looking too far ahead, but he did say that at the end of now three seasons with the Rams, he feels like he belongs in the National Football League and rightly so. I belong. Uh, I feel like I... Um still learning still figuring things out um still getting better still improving um but yeah i feel like i i belong and you know i'm kind of just on the up and um obviously i have long-term goals and big things but i mean just year after year just hey i got i got another year Mm -hmm. i got another year um i get to play another game so just taking it taking it step at a time kick at a time um game at a time and and making sure that if I focus and, and do what I need to do in, in the short term, that the long term will take care of itself. Oh, Rams, so thankful to have found Matt Gay off of uh, Tampa Bay and then Indianapolis practice squad and to make him a Ram maybe for the foreseeable future. One of the to-do list items this offseason. Appreciate Matt uh, for some of his time. And Who's the with, highest uh, paid place kicker? Who's the guy? Tucker? It, sh- it, it should Tucker? be, right? I, I don't know. What's he pulling down? Whoever came up next. You've got Google. You find out. I, I'm you looking right me. now. See? <laughs> Yours is faster than mine. Okay, go ahead. I, I wanted to get to not kickers, but quarterbacks. Yeah. And the shakeup that we've seen around the league in two places. Both of them in the AFC West. First, Russell Wilson, and then on the backup, I have a follow-up with Derek Carr. Okay. The Rams have played a leading role in maybe the professional demise of Russell Wilson, having seen that up close, both with Rams Seahawks and now with Rams Broncos last Sunday. Where are you with Russell Wilson and his spot in this golden era of quarterbacks? He can't be this bad, really. Um, he, he can't be a 12-9 and nine guy, 12 touchdowns, 9 picks. Um I, maybe maybe I was fooled by what I saw in Seattle. Maybe it was Marshawn Lynch. Maybe it was the greatest show, uh, the, not the greatest show, the Legion of Boom and Pete Carroll that was doing it. Um, and maybe letting Russ cook wasn't the best thing for the Seahawks. Um, but watching him in lead-ups to Rams games, dynamic. The guy keeps you up at night. Now, he's different when he's on the field with Aaron Donald. Um, the guy we just saw that the Rams played – with Denver, was the guy that I thought Aaron Donald made him look like. This might be who he is. 
So you have expectations, you have a, a perception of a guy until you see him live. So until he proves otherwise, I think Russ may be done playing football. And it's interesting that you know he leaves the division, but there's still Kyler Murray left in the division who's, I think, similarly shell-shocked by his time against the Rams and by Aaron Donald. We'll see what comes of that in the future because the Cardinals are on their way down. Sorry, let me let me just circle back to the Raiders real quick. Your reaction to Derek Carr before we get to the Cardinals in this race to the bottom in the NFC West. What what happened there? And is it good or bad for the Raiders and okay, for Derek I, Carr? Okay, I hate throwing people under the bus, but I have to ask a question. I'll just say, I don't think it's Carr's fault. Um, but outside of Tom Brady, what quarterback has Josh McDaniels really helped? Fair. Okay. Has there been one? Okay, because I, I saw him up close here when he was with Sam Bradford. That didn't work out. Uh, it didn't work out when he was in Denver the first time, and it's not working out now with the Raiders. So at some point, it all leads back to you. That's all I got to say. I wonder if there's going to be a reunion with Brady. I mean, whether it's Sean Payton in New Orleans or McDaniels and Vegas, like already with Tampa Bay still firmly in the playoff picture. These things are swirling. It's going to be an unreal free agent class of quarterbacks. But we're in a strange spot right now, I feel like, in terms of evaluating quarterbacks. And it's true for Carr. It's true for Baker Mayfield. You're either elite or you're on the the garbage pile. And I, I don't get that. Like I think there should be and there is a distinct middle class of NFL quarterbacks and Jimmy Garoppolo is another familiar example where do you have quarterback envy and do you wish it you had a Fields or a Mahomes or an Allen? Sure. But what if you go win a Super Bowl with Stafford? You know, what What if Jimmy Garoppolo gets you to another one? Right. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that except to say it feels like there's been too harsh a line um, drawn in the quarterback tiers. I think it was sense. inevitable. The economics of football, everything has a cycle. And I think maybe when, that's it. When economics. Start, yeah. When you start paying one guy a lot of money, sure. you start hemorrhaging players. And sometimes you have to force it. And the guy's not that guy. That's a good point. Yeah. If you're getting 40 million, I need you to play like the other guys who are getting 40 million. And maybe that is really yeah. the driving force behind it. Or, or maybe it is just because everyone can see and evaluate in so many ways, whether it's Sunday ticket, or social media or pff like you can grade these guys and compare them so well in this day and age that uh it's hard not to shoot for for higher heights look what the niners did no doubt. in in trading let for me, trey lance let me knock draft. on wood and say this i hope i'm alive for the resurgence of the running back because it's coming everything falls a cycle so it's a quarterback driven league and then the economics is starting to ruin that and you'll come back to those guys hmm. soon or later yeah um any thought on the Arizona Cardinals? And here's the only reason why I'm still bringing the Cardinals up. Because the NFC West is pretty much decided. Niners at the top. Even Seattle crumbling going to be the two. Um, but 3-4 is undecided, and yet it feels like the Rams are in a much better place to close the year than the Cardinals. 4-11, and spiraling, Watt retiring, coaching question marks, front office question marks. You take it from there. I can blame what happened in L.A. on injuries easily. I, just look to the offensive line. That's the reason you, your record is flipped and why you've lost more than you've won. What can you say about Arizona? It hasn't been injuries for the most part, right? Uh, it, I think it's been more dysfunction. And usually how the NFL handles dysfunction is to cut part of it out or just cut people, period. And I do know this. You can't cut Kyler Murray. 
So that leaves the other two. And I think one has already stepped away. So I'm not an advocate for getting guys fired, but I think that the NFL has proven one thing. The way they fix these things is to let people go and start over. Mm -hmm. Here's why it matters to the Rams is because the like place finisher formula leaves three opponents on next year's slate to be determined. And whether you finish third or fourth has, I think, outsized ramifications. It's the difference between maybe going to Chicago and I get it, the, the Bears have a lot of picks and a lot of salary cap versus going to Detroit or Green Bay. Like That could be hugely consequential. It's the difference between going to Houston next year or going to Indianapolis. Wow. A, a lot of ground to be covered this offseason. We know that teams go worst to first every year in the National Football League. But as it stands, Arizona is winning the race to the bottom, which means they're going to get an easier schedule, is my point, next wow. year. Houston will have a new quarterback, and I think Indy will have a new head coach. Or I could be wrong about both. You don't think Saturday is going to make it to next year's Sundays? You got to win a few, man. I'm with you. Yeah. And starting Nick Foles down the stretch is arguably not going to get you there. Yeah, kind of odd, but yeah. Let's finish on the Rams. Final thought, key to victory, whatever uh, you didn't get to with respect to Week 17 at SoFi. Uh, worried about their, their front. Uh, they've been hot. One of the best defensive fronts the last month. Um, so that's great. Uh, when it collides with the Rams getting better running the football uh, because you're going to have to talk them out of rushing the passer. So that's number one. Number two, you've mentioned it. Um, I cannot wait to see this. This is going to be fun. Um, it's like one of those ESPN2 shows, watching Bobby Wagner, one of the biggest middle linebackers ever, try to track Austin Eckler uh, out of the backfield a few times. So, And that's going to be the game. Um, how many times can you get Bobby out of the middle chasing Eckler? Uh, and how many times can you keep Eckler in in pass protection. So that's the game. I cannot wait to see that. And I'm strangely looking forward to seeing Baker Mayfield play more. I've never thought I'd ever say that in my life. But based on what I saw versus Denver, I cannot wait to see what this Sunday brings out of him. Not your million and a half, not my million and a half, but am I ever thankful that the Rams and Stan Kroenke made that waiver claim? It has made this stretch run far more compelling. And I'm like minded with you. To me, again, Bobby Wagner is the biggest piece to this week's puzzle, and it's also really, really important to me that he comes out clean because I want him, more than anything else that's left on the table this season, I want him to go to Seattle and get the standing ovation he deserves at Lumen Field next week. Oh, my God. And, and that's, I just got chills. <laughs> right? right? I just got chills. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I want that to be intact next week. I really, really do. Thank you, DeMarco, you for a it, great 2022. Looking forward to being with you again at SoFi on Sunday and cannot wait to see what the year ahead brings. For Adam Bronstein, for DeMarco Farr, I'm JB Long. Happy New Year, everyone. Have a safe, enjoyable holiday. And we're looking forward to Rams Chargers Week 17 here on 710 ESPN.